Hey everyone, welcome back to the start. Oh man, it's great to be back. You know, it's it's been a really long time. Um, I'm gonna try to keep this brief. Although if you are a listener, you know I can't do that. But since we've been gone, that's like an Avril Lavigne song. But um, I had throat surgery, which I think we talked about in the season three recap, and that went really well. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I also got a new mic and I got a new office. Like life is on the up and up, man. Got a new job, got a new mic, got a new office, have a great girlfriend, always had that, uh, a new voice, so to speak. But the better thing is that the podcast is back. So I'm doing that again. And I'm really, 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 really excited to do it. We've got a fantastic group of people lined up. Some that you may know, some that you might not. Hopefully that I'm doing that on purpose. It should work out. I think it will. But yeah, it's really, really, really exciting. I'm really happy to be back. I'm happy to have you guys. Yeah, the quote-unquote off-season, right? I'm recording this right now. The Super Bowl is tomorrow. The off-season of the podcast was really cool. I actually got only two, but two very heartfelt emails from some listeners who either were programmers and weren't anymore trying to get back into it or are, you know, like 16, 17 and trying to get into the industry. And it's, I just want to say thank you to you, you two individuals who emailed me because um, I don't do it with the expectation of getting emails like that. But the fact that you emailed me and thought, you know, you considered my thoughts viable was very, very, very kind of you. And I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, it made my heart get all warm and fuzzy a little bit and it felt good. And I'm glad that this is beneficial for people. Hopefully it is. If it's not, please tell me. But generally speaking, it sounds like it is. But yeah, so the off season went really, really well. I took a break, probably a bit longer break than what I would normally do. And a lot of that was really uh, due to the vocal surgery, like I had mentioned. But also because I did a lot of work last year. I worked a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But this is back. I'm really excited to do it. And yeah, so to talk about this episode, uh, episode number one uh, of season four is with Yuna Kravitz. Yuna is a front-end developer with IBM. She's a part of the, I could be misspeaking, uh, IBM design team. So a lot of her job is helping designers take their designs and turning them into awesome shit that exists online, which is most front-end developers' jobs. But hers in particular, uh, it sounds like she is uh, embedded on that design team. And Yuna, if I'm incorrect, I'm sorry. Um, But we had a really great talk. Um, Yuna, similar to a few other guests, have actually similar to Jackie Balzer, um, who was on season two or season three. Uh, Jackie works at Adobe, but Jackie has been, she's been embedded in programming and computing her entire life. Um, did it in high school, did it growing up, uh, knew this, what she wanted to do in college, did it in college, got a job in it. Yuna is the same way. Interesting part I think about Yuna is, uh, well, you'll hear in the podcast, but her, her, her bout of online chatting on AOL as a child, um, which is actually pretty funny. But Yuna, you know, God, the one thing I love about this podcast is that I get to talk to people who just love what they do. Um, and if they don't, they are very convincing. But I think it's safe to say that most people freaking love what they do. They're excited to do it. They also realize that it's a bit of a blessing, right? We get to work in an, an industry, respective, right, design development, where it's sought after, it's well-respected, it gets paid well, and most of us, most of us enjoy it, right? Um, a lot, I, and i speaking for myself, but I do this because I like programming. 
I like developing websites. I like developing uh, other things. If I worked in finance, I don't think that I'd go home and do finance at night before I went to bed, right? Uh, and I could be misspeaking. I don't work in finance. I don't know anything about it. I'm sure there's people who freaking love it. But we're just really lucky. And Yuna makes that abundantly clear that she's aware of that and that she's, you know, sort of use it as fuel to keep going throughout life. Uh, Yuna is a bit of a unicorn in my opinion. She has a design background growing up. She also has a programming background. Um, but she's also this like incredible unicorn or as I call it, a unicorn uh, emphasis on the you part where she's, she's young relatively, uh, but she's given a ton of talks. She's provided a ton of awesome things to the development world. Um, and she just does it because she wants to share cool shit with cool people. And it's very clear that like, it definitely sounds like it's not clear. I'm making, making my own assumption here, but it definitely sounds like the things she enjoys sharing, which inherently makes her share more. So it's perpetual, but it's a good perpetual thing. Um, and I hope that, you know, she, she inspired me a bit and, and hopefully I can develop some of the things that we talked about. Um, like, you know, we mentioned conference talks and I'd like to give one in the future. So hopefully I can develop that. But what I find to be interesting is that, um, she doesn't hold it to just herself. She very much believes in the idea that anyone can teach anyone, any something, um, you might be, she actually, you know, you might be the person who invented PHP and I forget it's, his name is Rass. And there's another person I think that did that, but that doesn't mean you know everything about it. Right. That means that somebody else with less experience who didn't invent the language might be able to help you out, might be able to give you, uh, some feedback. Or if you're a designer for 15 years, that there's nothing, uh, there's nothing in the world that proves that you know more than a, uh, than a younger designer who's only been doing it for five. Um, and that's something I think, you know, definitely lives her life by. And I think that is part of the reason why she's successful. Um, and to her own def- definition of success, right? She, I don't know that she's driving like a Maserati. She lives in a huge mansion. Like she's not like LeBron James, maybe. I don't know. could be wrong. But it definitely seems like she's happy. And it's clear that the the idea that anyone can provide value to anyone else, as well as, you know, sort of realizing that she loves what she does and she's lucky to do it um, propels her in her life. Um, and it sounds like her parents too were pretty freaking awesome. Um, it sounds like they gave her enough freedom to explore life in her own way, which some of us have that benefit. Some of us don't, and that's okay. But to have it and sort of let your parents enable you to explore life probably makes things a bit more fun, a bit more interesting, probably more challenging as well. But needless to say, I'll stop rambling because I've been doing this for like seven minutes now. Um, Unicravitz is the first episode of season four. I'm really happy to be back. I'm happy to have all of you listeners listen in. A um, few notes before we go. If you, whatever podcaster of choice you listen to this on, I'd love a rating. If you could do it, that'd be great. That'll help. Um, the podcast become more discoverable uh, among other people, maybe, I think. I don't know. Um, also, share it with your friends if you like these shows. The last thing is, if I'm doing something you don't like or you think there's something I could be doing better, tell me. Please tell me. You can 
email me, you can tweet me, do all that kind of good stuff. Um, you can get all the info on like the site or whatever. But if not, you can tweet at the start FM on Twitter. Um, and that's probably going to be the easiest way to get, get a hold of us by us. I mean me. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. This is uh, the episode with Unikravitz. This is the start. I'm doing very well. Thanks for joining me on this weekend. Uh, it's afternoon here. I think Austin is like one hour behind New York, right? Yeah, it's an hour behind New York, so okay. we're almost the same time. We're basically in the same place, you know, minus thousands of miles. Um, yeah, minus a little bit of snow and some sunshine. Yeah. You know, what's funny is uh, it snowed Thursday or Friday morning. Like, I woke up and I was like, what the hell? There's like a ton of snow. And it was 36 degrees, so, you know water freezes at 32, all that kind of science and math and weather science stuff. I was like, how's this happening? And then later on that day, it just like, out of nowhere, just stopped. It wasn't like a slow, like, you know, drizzle to like nothing. It was just like a ton of snow and then absolutely nothing. It felt like I was back in Florida, like Florida rain. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah the one thing I don't miss from the East coast is snow. I've got to say it's been really nice since I moved to Austin Okay. That we just don't um, have that problem. Well, all right. So I want to ask you about that. But first, can you uh, introduce yourselves to people out there who may not know you? Although I'm pretty sure you're a pretty awesome person who everyone knows. I am currently working at IBM in the design lab. I'm on the cloud platform team, which is um, Bluemix for kind of what the section that I'm within. Um, it's our platform as service for developers. And I'm a front end developer on that team. But I'm working within the design lab, so I get to work with a lot of designers, UX designers, visual um, researchers. So it's a really collaborative environment, and um, it's kind of like the background that I came from, too, was design. Um, but now I am the technical end of all of that fun stuff. Oh, wow. Um, all right. So now that we got the in- introduction out of the way, which is actually just spurred like 17 other questions. Um, <laughs> Where did you grow up? Because you said you're on the East Coast. Did you grow up on the East Coast? I did. I grew up in Baltimore. Um, oh, I grew up in Baltimore cool. County. Yeah. So I was on the East Coast for most of my life, and I okay. just moved to Austin a year and a half ago. Um, and now it's just such a change. It's crazy how quickly you get used to the different weather. Like now, when I was in New yeah. York, I was in New York two weeks ago, I was freezing. I couldn't <laughs> deal with it. Yeah, it's crazy how fast your body adapts. Like um, I always say this to friends, but what ends up happening is, in the winter, uh, you know, you'll have a week where, at least in New York, we had this recently. It was a week. It was like 10 degrees the whole week. Following week, it's like 40, and people are coming out in like sandals and shorts and T-shirts. Oh, my gosh. Um, Here it gets to 60, and people put on their scarves and sweaters well, yeah. and, and, that, and I think that's, that's the flip side, right, is in the summer when it drops down to 40, people put on parkas. And <laughs> I grew up in Florida, and the, the, the writing joke is that you don't have a parka. You've got a winter hoodie. Right. Everyone just puts on like varying thicknesses of, of sweaters depending on the year. But with that being said, um, I, yeah, you know, I, I'm not 
I enjoy, I like winter because growing up in Florida, it's hot. It's like disgustingly hot nine months out of the year. And then not as disgustingly hot for the other three. Um, yeah, there's the summertime. That is a thing. Yeah. Um, and then up here you get seasons. So that's like, I don't know. I do appreciate that. Also, Florida is a bit of a shithole. Sorry, people who <laughs> live in Florida. Um, for what it's worth, yeah, it was it was my childhood, but yeah, I'm glad to be out of it. Um, all right, so you grew up in Baltimore. What was that like? And I ask that because I know uh, I know people who have lived there in their young adult life, but I don't think I've met anyone who's grown up there. I have a lot of family still there. Um, so my family immigrated to the U.S. Um, in 1990. Like, oh, wow. From where? 1991, actually, from um, Ukraine. So it was the oh, Soviet cool. Union at the time. They came right before the Soviet Union collapsed. And a lot of Russian Jewish immigrants kind of end up in the same neighborhoods because yep. they came with Jewish vocational services that helped them move, like gave them yep. loans, helped them get plane tickets. Um, so I ended up growing up around a lot of people who had a similar background to me. Um, just because that's how it ended up being when you were placed in a in a job in a space. Yep, that makes sense. So I, I grew up in a suburb. I went to I don't know like a public high school. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I had a pretty normal childhood. That's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I don't know. Baltimore, I think, is is more on the map now, right? Because of recent recent events and stuff like that. But otherwise, I think it's I've always considered it like a secondary or tertiary city. That's uh, equally bustling, right? The same, maybe not to the same length of Austin or New York City, but maybe to the same of Chicago or Kansas City kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think that the city's honestly changed a lot in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing per se, but what can you do? Yeah, life, time, all that. Matthew McConaughey, uh, did you watch Free Detective? <laughs> when he's like, time is a flat circle or whatever the hell he says. Um, but it's like that. Uh, all right. So before, um, we officially started this episode, we briefly talked about, uh, super yes more and that article about how you got into design and technology essentially. Um, and it started from, from, uh, what was it? You were designing like fashion dolls, like digital fashion dolls. Is that, am I, am I phrasing that correctly? Yeah. So, oh man. So this goes back so far and there's just so many different aspects of it because when you look back, hindsight is sort of 2020 things you were doing, you didn't think would have anything to do with your current job or anything to do with like design or development. Um, but they totally did. Um, so I was on the internet, like way too young, way too young. (laughs) I, I don't know why my parents let me do this, but Honestly, I was six years old. We got like AOL CDs and AOL Instant Messenger, like chat was a thing. Um, oh, God. That was like parents... the age of like internet rapists. It was all yeah, just right. like so, ASL chat rooms. and Yes, exactly. Exactly. ASL chat rooms. And I would go into them. And I was literally six years old. They'd be like, ASL. And I was like, six. And nobody believed me, obviously. And I would type like three words a minute because I didn't know how to type either. But that's how I learned how to type through like a Instant Messenger. Um, but yeah, I remember reporting people a lot because there was they would curse and that was against the rules. So gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, I See, was that girl. I enjoyed them. I say enjoyed them. I use that term <laughs> loosely. Um, I thought I was like, how do people change the color? Like I remember you would see people like write words and it would be like it would essentially be like a rainbow color of text. 
Um, yes, I remember that too. Do you remember AOL Instant Messenger away messages? Oh my god, the passive aggressive like bullshit kids used to write to one another. Lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like emo, <laughs> like like song lyrics and stuff. Everyone had their emo phase. It was so oh my good. <laughs> okay, so you were um, you were a six year old in AOL chat rooms. Yeah. Uh, and I only remember this because my password at the time had something to do with my age. And I remember that. So I know that that was like <laughs> how old I was back in the day when my dad was like, what do you want your username to be? Um, yeah, that was, it was fine. I turned out fine, right? <laughs> I turned out yeah, fine. no, I mean, that's true. So quick uh, question on that though. Um, when you talk to your parents about it now, do they have any like, Thoughts like, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. We should have let you go in on AOL. I don't think they know still. My, I don't think they know what the internet was then in chat rooms because they just weren't part of that culture. That's fair. Yeah, I guess. And uh, I, I, I would very much like your insight on this. Um, you guys immigrated over here in 1990 and 91. Technology, generally speaking, was nowhere near uh, as common as it is here. But what about... Um, where you? I'm sorry. You mentioned where you guys migrated from. Where was that again? Oh, uh, Kiev, Ukraine. Okay. So I'm curious if you can recall or have any like stories or memories about what technology was like in Ukraine compared to over here at the same time. You know what I mean? Well, I was actually born after my parents moved here, like right after. Well, yeah, but um, do, do they have any stories about like, so for instance, let's say you guys had a computer here. Um, oh, maybe as, as you got older, your dad would be like, yeah, we never would have had a computer in Ukraine, um, just because they would have been much more expensive or anything like that. I don't, I definitely think they wouldn't have had one for a while, but my dad is, he's an electrical engineer. He had his major was railroad engineering, which is like the most Soviet thing I can think of. Um, <laughs> but he's pretty technically savvy. So I remember growing up, he would like take apart our motherboard and like show us, me and my brother, um, the inside parts of it. And I would just look at this thing, this tangle of wires look like roller coasters and just be like, oh my gosh, what's, what's going on here? I was super interested in it. Um, so he's sort of always been more technically savvy than I think most people. Okay. Um, and I think that coming here just gave more opportunity to have access to those sorts of things. That makes a lot of sense. So um, when you... What, do you recall at any point what the purpose of that computer was in your home? And I ask you that because to me, you know, you, your parents migrated here to the U.S. Uh, you were born at some point after the migration. Um, you guys had a computer. Your dad was an engineer. So I wonder, like, yeah. you know, the, the purpose <laughs> I was of born computer. at some point. That is true. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, you know, I don't, I, I've seen this in other episodes where what ends up happening is somebody's Someone in someone's family is technically inclined or they're curious, technically curious. And that bug sort of uh, then gets filtered into, you know, their kids or whatever without ever knowing it, which is sort of cool. I, I think that my dad has definitely influenced me a lot um, in who I am today, much more than my mother. I'm much more like my father in that sense where he does things because he's really curious about them and really yeah. passionate about them. Every computer that I had as a kid was a computer that he bought broken on eBay, bought the parts to fix it up, fix it up, and gave me and my brother like laptop computers that he fixed. Um, and that was every system that I've ever had until I went, until I was honestly a senior in high, uh, college. I always just had like 
Dells that he fixed, which is really weird because oh, I was yeah. the last holdout to get a Mac of all the people I know. <laughs> um, and now I can't imagine going back, but you know, now I'm spoiled. Now I yeah. have that's, all these nice Apple that's things. That's so cool. Um, but yeah, definitely that, that drive to just build and fix things. Yeah. That's, I mean, I definitely think that you probably, if you could, you'd give your dad a high five every day for that. Uh, but it's, I don't think it's something that you notice, um, until you sit down and think about it, which is super cool. Um, yes. all right. So you built, you designed dolls, fashionable dolls, correct? Yeah. I, I was really into clothes and I, I don't know. I just loved doodling. And back then it was sort of like this pixel by pixel manipulation to make patterns and shapes, um, on bases is what they were called. Like the, the doll base, um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was really fun back in the day. Um, and how old were you when you were doing that? I was probably around nine or ten years old. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I was really young. I it's really strange that I don't know if it's like looking back in retrospect that all these things were related to what I'm doing now. But also, like going into college, I knew what I wanted to do, which is rare these days. Um, so I've kind of just always known that I was interested in design, and then that kind of grew into development as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, That's I, fair. I guess I got lucky. Well, you know, I think, um, I think a few things, you know, this is, it's sort of interesting because I had a conversation with my uncle about this last night, but um, I think you're right. You are definitely one of the luckier ones that you had an idea of what you wanted to do at the very least. You had an idea and it's always been a good idea, right? At the same time though, I think you, and I think we're going to see this a lot more as you and I get older, um, but you were sort of born into a digital state to some degree, right? Uh, you were in, not to harp on this, but you know, you're born in the U S uh, it was in the early nineties where personal computers became much more accessible. The internet became much more accessible and technology was probably innovating at a faster pace than it had the previous 20 years. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. So like, think about, you know, we can, th- cause I'm, I'm 27. I was born in 88. Um, so I was like, a little bit too late for like basic HTML kind of stuff, but I was definitely on track for um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like jumping on the technical bandwagon, ba- basically kids being able to program VCRs faster than their parents, right? Like that, that group. Um, and I was talking to my uncle last night, uh, a family friend, she's 13. I think she's in eighth grade now. Um, and he, you know, made a mention just about, sort of how she interacts with people nowadays. And it's totally fine. It's nothing outrageous for a 13 year old in, in 2016. But the one thing that I brought up to him, I was like, you know, I wonder if the way that she interacts with people now is uh, very much influenced by the technology that she is in front of 24 hours a day. Like if you think about kids nowadays, when they're in their, when they're 25 and they're, when they're twenties and their thirties, they're going to be substantially more technically advanced than we are. Right. And Absolutely. we're, we're more advanced than our, our parents' generation at this age. Um, so I think well, that's, that's a very natural progression of things too. Yeah. Um, so I think you were just on the cusp of something, uh, you know, per usual, Yuna is a leader in the space, um, where it sort of works out and it's a fun space to be in. Um, but yeah, sorry. That was an obscure tangent. Um, <laughs> so where, where did you publish these dolls? If they're also, if they're oh. not called dolls, please correct me. 
Oh, no, they are. They were called okay. cartoon dolls. And um, I published these. So when I was on this chat program called The Palace, um, this is like my introduction to communities online. Um, it, it was this thing that you had to FTP into and there were different um, palaces. So somebody could run host one, like run a server from their computer, which I did not knowing what I was doing at the time. Um, and your, your parents weren't like, why the hell are we getting this huge bill? They never asked me. <laughs> I, I, you have awesome I, parents. I, <laughs> they were so laissez-faire about all of this. They just, I don't know. They didn't know what me and my brother were doing online. It's fine. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't even think of that. Um, but yeah, so you, there was these communities and um, there were these cartoon doll guilds where you would have contests and there was like a theme every week. And you had to make a doll or like an outfit to that theme and then it would be judged. And it was just, there wasn't real prizes. It was just sort of to get your name on a background. (laughs) That's really cool. And um, was it a similar age group in these, in this larger community or was it varying? I think people were typically older than I was, Okay, but that's, that's how I am at every stage of my life for the most part. Yeah, I'm, that's fair. I'm always like the baby of any group. That's how that's it is. Really, you know, that's it's it's it, that's pretty cool. So, question then, um, you know, and I'm 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 taking my entire knowledge of your youth based off of one article I read on the internet, which makes me an expert <laughs> in Yuna's life. Um, but were you doing anything else at the time? Like, I'm sure you had friends, uh, but like, was this something that you did just like? at nights on the weekends or was this like all encompassing? Like you'd come home after school and just screw around on the computer. No, I definitely did other things. I grew up in a neighborhood of, it was me and it was three other people around my age. They were all guys who were two years older than me, which is really funny. Cause like the next, my first like three years working in tech was just me and three guys. That was like the development team. Um, so <laughs> I kept that trend. <laughs> yeah. That trend has continued in my life. Um, but yeah, no, we played outside a lot. Um, Everyone was in Neopets at the time. Neopets is what taught me HTML. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yes. So it was it was bringing that digital culture out into the real world. Because I remember we would like be on a trampoline, jumping and singing Neopets songs, like making Neopets raps up about this like digital world. Oh, God, yeah. Awesome. I feel like I feel like a trampoline, like you know, you talk about like the water cooler at the office, right? And which is usually just the kitchen or whatever. Um, I feel like the trampoline was a kid's water cooler. You'd go to whoever's house had the trampoline and that's where everyone would hang out. Yes. Um, there was always one in the neighborhood and everybody went yeah, there. I remember we had one too. And at first it was fine. Like, cause I grew up in a neighborhood and we'll talk about this after the podcast because it's not necessarily relevant to the podcast right now, <laughs> but I've, I've been thinking about the premise of communities. Right. Um, and I was thinking about, the neighborhood I grew up in and it was me, Cody, Carlos, Martin, Stevie for the most part. That was like the core group and Cody had the trampoline. Um, and then Andrew came to the picture and then Riley and then Isaiah and then Jesse and then Darian. It ended up being a male dominated neighborhood. And I don't know if, if, if that was by design or if the girls just thought we smelled or something. Um, but when it became really big, I remember Cody's mom was getting a little nervous because like the liability of it. And she almost made us all sign like, like oh my gosh. Permission slips essentially. <laughs> That's uh, a little extreme. Yeah. Um, it was also, it was a super tight knit community too, which is, I think there were times where we would jump on the trampoline, even if 
Cody and his parents weren't home because it was that tight knit. Like Cody lived, I lived across the street from Cody. So we definitely hung out and knew each other very well. Um, but needless to say, it sounds like, it sounds like you had the, I don't, I mean, again, I, I know everything about your life because I read one article. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I find it interesting because I feel like uh, the the stereotypical dev- uh, programmer is someone who is very inclusive um, of their time and their activities. But that's very fast. Very, It's changing very fast, right? I think the stereotypical developer was this like sloppy fat dude that wore open-toed sandals everywhere with a ponytail and was balding. Um, I'm basically just describing the comic book guy from the Simpsons. Um, and now that's not the case anymore at all. You've got yeah. varying people, varying walks of life, uh, varying interests outside of development and varying interests inside development, which is great. It's changing, which is a good thing. Honestly, as time has gone on, I've become more and more, um, of sort of, I'm not saying I'm that person, um, but I need more of my time and space to be just by myself. I've become more introverted over time sure. as I've, as I've done more development because you need alone time to develop. You need to have your time in front of your computer with your headphones in, listening to music, potentially, potentially not. I just need my headphones, um, in a coffee shop and spending evenings and days focusing and building things. Um, I tried to balance my time, but I know I did a really bad job of this last year where I have such a great group of friends here. And I, I, I have such a nice city to live and be out in. Um, but I was really focusing on, I need to work on my career. There's so many things I want to build. I have so many ideas. And this year I'm trying to make it much more balanced. Um, yeah. I trying know. to find that balance is hard. I um, I feel like you mentioned that in your year review, correct? Uh, yeah, I probably did. Okay. Um, I, too, did a year review. Um, and I feel like you and I talk, touched on that topic similarly. Um, you know, I think, again, more sum- assumption, Patrick, is what you can call me at this point. But um, <laughs> it sounds like you're Tell pretty Tell me about young. my life, Patrick. Yeah. Well, you know, you like eating uh, steamed broccoli uh, and you wash with a purple loofah and only a purple loofah. You've got this weird thing with purple. I'm obviously making that up. Um, One of those things is true. <laughs> Um, you know, based on reading that and obviously doing a bit of research before we interviewed, cause I hadn't met you a, a prior to this. Um, it definitely sounds like you and I are in similar positions where we're both young. Um, and we're not 10 years into our professional career. And by that, I mean like employed. Um, and I would argue and say that this is the case for a lot of people in that position, which is when you first get in, you, it, it's not necessarily that you want to make big waves, but you want to establish yourself. Um, you don't, who knows what you want to establish yourself for? Uh, I know, you know, maybe you want to do SVG stuff if we're talking technically or performance or animation, which are some topics that some people have sort of cornered as like their expertise. Uh, but I think part of it too is, um, we just sort of want to do work. We know how fast the technology moves. We know how fast the internet can be. You can put up a web, I could build a website right now, right? And put it up in three seconds. And I think, uh, People in our position um, want to do that at hyperdrive, which is good because I think yeah. you, you learn a lot by doing, but it's also bad because then you don't see a lot of people and you don't talk to people. And in my case, maybe you forget to shower once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a mix of a couple of things. Um, it's sort of the, 
the feeling that you need to prove yourself still, mm-hmm. because a lot of companies will look at years of experience and say, nope, throwing yeah. that one out, which has happened. Yep. Um, it's happened to me. It's happened to a lot of people. And they don't realize that you're putting so much work in outside of work because you're interested in it, but also because you feel like this is that time to do that, to experiment, to build things, to um, just sort of, I mean, for me, it's a lot about sharing. I think Mm -hmm. I'm very driven by sort of communities and people, but this is the time when I don't have a family and I don't have pets and I don't have responsibilities. So when else am I going to travel the world speaking at conferences and spend a lot of time building like things to help people like building libraries or building um, little boilerplates or writing articles. So it's really hard for me to balance that because I know in my head, it's a good time to do it, but I know in my head, this is also the time that I'm young and I'm supposed to be like just kind of not even knowing what I want to do in my life yet. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, so rather, let me back up. Let me ask this question. You notice that now, right? This idea of, of spending too much time on something, right? And in our case, it's technology especially when there's a bunch of awesome people out in the world around us. Is that something that you noticed recently or is there something that you were sort of cognizant of through, throughout, I don't want to say your upbringing, but it, you spend a lot of time in front of a computer. So is that something you thought about when you were younger? No, it is definitely way more recent. Um, I think that in the past year, I just really overcommitted. I, I went into the year thinking, I'm going to say yes to everything. Like this is the year that I'm just going to, I don't care about my social life. Like, I don't care. I'm going to make it work. Um, and towards the end of the year, I was just like, what am I doing? Why, why am I doing this to myself? Um, so, wow, that sounded really negative. I'm really, <laughs> it's not that bad. Um, it's not that bad. I swear. Um, it, it's just the realization of life is so short and there's so much to do and you have to prioritize what matters to you. And I think I was prioritizing something that meant more to me then than um does now although that's hard to say because now i'm like oh i'm gonna write a book this year like no big deal and i'm gonna like do yeah. all these things this year as well so we'll see how that goes you know it, it, this is crazy because i feel like we're almost the same person at this point so <laughs> well last year i did the same thing and in my in my year in review post which at this point i'll put in the show i'll put both of our year in reviews yeah. in the show notes um but last year i made a good sum of money freelancing uh, and that that information is in that post. But I also tracked most of that time freelancing. Um, and similar to you, I basically said yes to everything. Um, and if if my time were tracked against a calendar year, I would have worked for an additional three months um, of time, which is wow. a, a lot. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like you mentioned that you said yes to everything. Part of my thinking last year was, I want to see what my threshold is. How much can I take work-wise or like, you know, physically developing until shit hits the fan in hopefully a controlled way or maybe not controlled. Yeah. Um, And And I think I I figured that out. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Um, All I was going to say is I, you know, I I think I figured that out. And with that being said, I, I think what ends up happening is we're in a position where since our jobs are lucrative, right. An opportunity that, we have the ability to say yes to everything, figure out what that threshold is, and then we figure out what we can say no to there after that. It's not like we're in a position where we have to say yes because we don't know when the next thing's coming. We might not know it's yeah. coming directly. We might not know that Dropbox is going to hire us or freelance, but we know that we're probably going to get emails. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And the other thing that I want to mention was it's hard to say no when it's actually really enjoyable as well. Yes. And like, I love my job. I love this field. I love what I do and I enjoy the time that I spend doing it. So it's not like I'm sacrificing happiness by doing that. It's just focusing on a different thing. And I also think that we're very lucky in that sense that we can be doing our day jobs that pay us money and enjoy it. Like honestly enjoy the challenge of it. Yeah. It's so, and it's not, I think there's, I think design and development and granted I'm, I could be jaded because those are the industries that I, that I circle the most. Um, We go to a job, we get paid for it. We come home and we're like, I want to relax. And you can relax in doing the same thing you get paid for, which if you're an accountant, you probably don't do that. If you work in marketing, you might be able to do that. Um, If you're a mechanical engineer, you can probably do that. So, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, there are some careers, paths, choices that can do that, but not everything. And that's pretty cool. Um, So we, you know, I'm trying to think of where to go because this conversation is very enjoyable, but I don't. It kind of went. It kind of went pretty far from talking about trampolines and making up wraps for Neopets, right? Um, so yeah. So going back to trampolines, Neopets, and 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 dolls, um, you learned action script. That has that's the shittiest transition ever. <laughs> but you did learn action script. But you learned it as a kid, right? Well, I say as a kid, not not in a professional capacity. Yeah, I don't think I was a kid anymore at this point. I was around um, 16 or 17 at this time. Okay. And there was, oh, I had the best professor, not professor, I guess teacher. This was in high school. Um, and we had a digital media design sort of certificate class where if you took four semesters of this class and you went to like a um, community college, then you already had like a certificate in um, digital media design. And it was the most fun that I've had at school ever. And I wasn't really the best student in sort of middle school and then like throughout the beginning of high school. But when I found what I really loved, I was just like, yes, I got this. And it was really cool. We, we did a bunch of flash things, um, made flash games. I made four flash portfolios in my life. So that's fun. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> fun fact. The first one I made, it was a like a jewelry box with drawers that you pulled out. And then you got an inside view of the jewelry box and there was like a shell necklace, the rainbow fish that swam across it. I had to like make all these individual JPEGs and put them into this flash file and then animate it with the timeline tween. Oh my God. Um, oh my God. That sounds, uh, that sounds like kitschy. it's very time consuming. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was during school. So it was, uh, it was fine. Yeah. I was just, I found that I was really good at it and I really liked it and it was this really cool mix of um, coding to make things happen, but also just visual design. That's fair. So it really just sort of encompassed um, the end of my high school career. And then I knew that I wanted to go into graphic design um, when I went to college. My parents were like, oh, no, 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 Yuna, you're not going to be an artist. What is an artist? Um, <laughs> so, what did they want you to do instead? Or what was their idea? My mom had this vision for me to be an accountant. <laughs> I mean, oh, it, it, it's safe. It pays relatively well, depending on where you are. Yeah. It, it, it makes sense. I mean, I think, I think every, every kid goes through that, right? Where their parents sort of, the parents bust their butt to provide for them as best as they can. And they just want to make sure the kid is safe and secure. Right. That's, yeah. I think that's why most parents want us to be 
doctors, lawyers, accountants. And I understand that my, I mean, especially because they're immigrants, they, they didn't want to come to this country for me to end up in a place that it wasn't better than what they had growing up. Like that yep. was the ultimate goal um, for all immigrant families, for every family, really. So they were just really worried that I was so into art at the time. And uh, like making flash things was definitely still art. Like I never thought of that as a career. Um, but graphic design, I thought, you know, that's pretty practical. Um, so I kind of realized I liked doing this code stuff. I did like MySpace layouts for my friends. I knew HTML at the time. That's um, awesome. So when I went into college, I went into college for a double major of computer science and graphic design okay. to do both. And then in college, um, our design program was really, really small. I went to this school called American University in Washington, D.C. Yep, I've and, heard of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How um, many people have? Usually when I meet somebody, like, what school did you go to? American. Which one? I'm like... <laughs> Um, this girl I, I was friends with in college, she ended up getting a, uh, a graduate position at American and then went to other ones. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I think they may have vaguely had a decent basketball team at one point in time. Maybe. We, yeah, I, I think so. At one point, I don't know. I, sports ball. Yeah, Woo! exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, so I was in this small program. There was nine people in this print design program. And then there was like nine in this interactive design program that I graduated with. So it was really small. And then the computer science program was also tiny. Um, It was probably bigger than that. Like, I think like 12 kids graduated with me in that. Um, Holy cow. Yeah. And it was just such an awesome community there. But I ended up doing a minor in graphic, uh, minor in computer science because okay. a lot of the CS classes were really focused on government jobs and like things that I think are really cool now. But at the time I, I discovered like front end and web development and it didn't really align with that. So yep. instead of doing the courses on cryptography, I did internships, like lots and lots and lots of internships in DC. And that's where I learned the most. Cause you know, I was actually working in agencies. I was doing yep. real client work. Um, so I started that pretty young too. I remember I was like a sophomore and I emailed this company I really wanted to intern for. Um, this company's called Vigit. It's a really awesome agency. And I was like, hey, I'm too young to apply for your internship program, but what should I do to get ready for it? Like what books should I read? What program should I <laughs> Hey guys, you're going to hire me eventually. I just want to let you know. So what should I be doing now? <laughs> it was such a good experience. And yeah, they gave me a job offer eventually when I graduated. So that worked That's amazing. out. amazing. What, um... Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. You've pretty much had your heart set on this industry, so to speak, since you were a kid. Um, what do you, if you can recall, what do you think was like your ideal job when you were thinking about it, when you were 8, 15, 17, et cetera? And I oh, asked yeah. ask because I think um, graphic design, does it exists, but doesn't really exist anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's it's become more uh, involved with technology. Um, yeah, it's become more involved changed. with products. So graphic design as a career, I think people still do it. It's just probably not as common to call yourself a graphic designer. So what do you, do you recall what your like ideal job was when you were thinking about it back then? Yeah. I remember when I was really young, I wanted to do 
um, fashion design, but then also like layout design. And I had this fake magazine that I passed around my like third grade classroom where I would do little fashion designs and I would color them in and provide like additional colors and like price them and everything. Um, and it got passed around and there were like articles and stuff inside of that. It was really oh, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I wish I was as initiated and self-starting as you were as a kid. I just, like, I don't know. I just always wrestling. been like, I just made things because I liked them and then other people got interested in them. So I got like guest articles and like it became a community. That's awesome. Um, so I really want to do fashion design. And then in high school, I thought like web design seemed interesting. By the end of high school, I really want to do like Pixar animation. And I thought that stuff was so awesome. So like, awesome. Yeah. So I saw myself then doing that sort of Pixar thing, but I didn't get into the college I wanted to and the program I wanted to to learn that. So I was just like, oh, darn, that's not going to get me down. Um, and <laughs> in college, the beginning of college, I saw myself working in an agency, like an ad agency, mm-hmm. and making like ads for large companies like Toyota or um, Coca-Cola. Like that was a dream, you know, go in there and like my business suit and like heels and like rock it out. Um and then towards the end of college, or even just the middle of college, that dream went away really quickly when I realized I just want to code and I'm really nerdy about it. And I really enjoy teaching people how to code while I'm learning it myself. So, you know, it, it's interesting because it goes sort of similar to what you talked about earlier. It goes from an extrovert view, right? From a, um, I want to do these things for these people, these businesses, these whatever. And then as you get older, you're like, no, I just want to do this thing for me. Not like in a selfish way, but you know, you wanted to work at an ad agency producing stuff for other people. And now you're just like, no, I just want to code. I just want to program. I don't care where it is. I don't like getting involved in politics. Like I don't want to get involved in any of that stuff. I just like building things. I like working with smart people and building things. And I think code to me is this really really intense roller coaster of emotion sometimes where like you get things working and it's so exciting. And then it's some stupid bug or like a semicolon is missing and you can't figure it out. Well, there's some terms for that, but, but you get what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Oh, why is it uh, working? Um, I remember but, when there wasn't yeah. linters for that and you were up till 3am and you spelled start like S A R T T or whatever. And you're like, fuck. And you, That's like, yeah. The most common error, like off by one, like variable names or something. Yeah. yeah I've done that many um, times. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's nuts. I think in a good way, I think you're in the minority of people who, again, I am, you know, speaking on behalf of you, uh, cause I do this so well, but you knew what you wanted and you went for it, you know, you went and you did it and it's definitely turned out really, really well. It sounds like though, the knowing what you want part modified over time. Yeah. I think that I sort of built on my interests and discovered new ones over time. Um, something that was really, um, I guess, shaping of my life in a way is this class that I took. It was my first design class, my first semester of college. I had two design classes. One was like intro to graphic design where we learned how to cut shapes with an exacto knife. And it was like, oh, I don't want to do print design. That's what I learned in that class. At the same time, I took my first like HTML and CSS course. Mm-hmm. And this was when CSS was changing. CSS three just came out and it was really exciting. And I had a great professor, um, professor Nova Ross. Hi Ross. He'll listen to this one. I can listen to it. Um, he had this great way of being able to not have all the answers, but know how to help someone find the answers. And like, 
point us to the things that were changing in tech and what was happening and had all this excitement about it that really made everyone in that class excited to learn more. And it wasn't like, this is how you do A, B, and C. It was like, this is what's possible. Now go and figure out how to do A, B, C, and D. Um, so that was really cool. You know, I, I, I've been a tutor. So in college, I worked as a tutor for kids in high school. And a lot of the high schools that we worked with were uh, lower performing high schools, just on a general standard. And I've seen, you know, being a, being a college student, who is in their early 20s, no more smarter than high school kids to some degree, at least in life experience. But to sit there in a position where you get to watch education, sort of the pro- the process or the cycle of education happen, um, there are a few teachers that can do what you said, which I think is um, teach about the joy of something or teach the excitement of something. Um, there was a, a math teacher Strapone, Miss Strapone was her name. She was very good at teaching kids um, not so much how to do the math problem, but she taught them how to get excited about com- coming to the solution, right? Like you got this really involved algebra equation, you know, these are ninth grade math kids or whatever. Um, and you're like, man, this sucks. I got to do math. But she never focused on that part. It was always like, look, you just did this. Like this thing is fucking cool. Your brain did this. And she taught that excitement and you can sort of see the shift in, in people wanting to continue on that topic when a teacher can transfer the excitement from their, you know, teaching or learning, or I'm sorry, their teaching and the learning process directly into the student. Um, yeah. And it's, it's it's pretty breathtaking to watch kids. I don't I don't know if you've ever been in that position or if you if you ever have the opportunity. I, I mean, you probably have, like with doing some of the workshops you've done and stuff, when you see you visibly see someone get it. You see that light bulb just go on. And it's yeah, like when oh my God, it's so cool. One of my favorite things to do is to teach the designers that I work with how to submit pull requests and how to work in GitHub. Because I think it's really empowering that they can open a terminal for the first time and like I want to walk them through how to set it up. And then when they submit a pull request without asking me to like watch as they do it, it's so rewarding. They get so excited about it. They're like I just submitted a pull request. Like so many times people yep. like will shout this across the office and it's really <laughs> cool. It's such a like joyful, visceral reaction. Like I wish that I had that every time I submitted a pull request still, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Now just like, please don't break. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I think anywhere that you can get, people like designers, especially involved in, um, the engineering process, it's really useful for both teams. Like, um, I was recently working on this SVG icon library and I wanted to teach the designers how to add the icons and submit pull requests, mm-hmm. um, instead of like them sending them to developers who already know how to, yep. why not? Why not just have everything's a teachable moment in a way. So that was cool. A lot of them were excited that they were now working in GitHub. That's, um, that is I, really cool. Yeah, it's really awesome to see. Um, I have a question for you. It's a, it's a bit on the darker side. Um, I'm, oh. not, I'm prefacing just for the like the theatrics. Okay. Right. So, uh-huh. well, you know, we talk about all the good times, right? Uh, but do you recall any? When I say bad times, I don't mean like oh I got fired, but like an instance when you may have been younger where something was challenging. Like how'd you react? I mean, in this like the tech world, things are obviously very challenging. There have been a lot of times that I've just spent hours trying to find a solution, couldn't figure it out. Um, 
I think outside of that, the challenges that I faced in life have sort of made me a lot more, um, driven to Mm -hmm. prove myself. And I think that is, that's like really core of who I am. I've, I'm very driven to prove myself. I know that like I was rejected from the programs I wanted to go to. Like I, I remember in middle school, there was this GT art program, which is like advanced art. And I applied for it along with a lot of people in my class and didn't get in. And I was so angry about this because I was like, I know that I'm good at art. I'm sorry that my still life that I had to draw in 30 minutes for you wasn't good enough. Um, so I just spent the next year like practicing drawing and I got a lot better and they started using like my work as an example, instead of people in this advanced art program. And I was just like, yeah, see, I'm you more than what you thought. <laughs> um, but-, but that's like continued to happen throughout. Whenever I get rejected from something, I feel like, it drives me to sort of prove that I can do that to myself. Yeah. And it, you know, the rejection part of it is sort of interesting. And I, I, I realize that this is not always the case, but we work in an industry where um, if you reject someone on their ability to parse an array right now for particular values, um, that doesn't mean that they are going to be a good or bad programmer. Uh, the same way that asking someone to design an email doesn't determine their, their potential uh success in the future a lot of it should be in my opinion based around their ability to think right so like let's say i had an interview i had an yeah i had an interview question once it was like this array holds values this array a holds like names array b holds numbers we need to create a new array where array the numbers in array b become the index values or the index, like the the array keys, and then the names from array A need to become the values for those keys. Okay, so a technical question that you could Google if you needed to. Yeah, right. But it's it, it is. Um, but at the time, it was challenging. Also, because in my opinion, the person didn't really explain it very well, um, or I wasn't listening, which could easily be the case. Um, and I didn't do it very well. But what I did was I talked most of it out. Uh, I didn't get that job, which is okay. Uh, luckily I like where I'm, I very much like where I'm at now, but what, what my hopes are is that those kind of interviews, right. And, and, and I would say that this hopefully becomes the case at, at multiple levels, not just in the professional level, uh, where that interview question comes up because it's technically unique. Um, it's not, it's definitely achievable, but it's less about like, oh yeah, it's a for loop and you do this and you do that. It's more like, all right, well, here's how I would do it. Right. It's more the process than the actual answer or the re- pro- more process than the result, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would much rather see how somebody thinks. I think that's definitely a lot more important, especially when you're building a team of developers. Having a background in a various subjects like provides just something that you wouldn't have even thought about, something that you don't realize that you don't know, um, to be brought into that team. So I'm like all about interviews that talk about how someone thinks and how someone describes problems more than just here, provide me with the technical solution. Um, but it's also important to have like a basis from which to speak. So doing like technical co-challenges and then talking about why those decisions were made, I think like you have to have that second part. You can't just be like, okay, we're going to reject or accept your technical co-challenge without you explaining it. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm, I'm, I think uh, I would add to that and say, 
I think the ability to do is important, but it's not as important as uh, the ability to comprehend what you are doing and why, right? Yes. So yes, un- understanding what an array is doing or understanding why a for loop is better than a while loop. I'm making that up. I don't even know if that's better or worse. Um, but like understanding those things, like sort of like looking under the hood is harder. Uh, but I also think that that shows growth, right? Like I, my boss now, his name is Ryan. Um, like we don't use react at the office just cause we haven't had the need to, I work at an agency. Um, but we're going to have to need to use it soon because one of our clients, that's a, a technical requirement. Totally fine. We don't care. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's okay. A technical requirement might be that we have a lot of um, interaction in the DOM and we want quick loading and sure. we need that. So, it, well, that, uh. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. Um, I will provide more context. Hopefully it'll make more sense. This client is a Fortune 50 company and it is a technical requirement because they work with multiple outside vendors. So rather, the reason why it's a technical requirement is because when group A works with my agency or group B works with the agency across the street. When their internal developers have to integrate it, they want to integrate React across the board versus React versus Knockout versus Angular versus Views versus whatever. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. It's definitely important among teams. Yeah, so sorry. I <laughs> I didn't I, did I thought you were just saying that. like they were they just wanted to react because it's like the cool new thing and everyone's yeah. talking about it, which is it's common to see as well. It is, right? Oh, this is the new hot shit. We need to do it. Um but no, so like um so I haven't messed with React that much, just out of na- nature of need. But somehow my boss Ryan knows a shit ton about React. I'm like, dude, we sit in the same office and we're both working in knockout. When do you have time to but he's one of those guys that like uh, luckily for him, uh, an interest of his is looking under the hood, is learning more about the the lower level paradigms that make these front end frameworks run, which are mostly transferable knowledge, right? Whether you're working in one framework or the other, the idea and the premises are the same. And that's, in my opinion, why he's always going to be a, a very successful programmer because he cares about that underlying knowledge. Yeah, the underlying knowledge and the basics are never going to change. Well, they change slowly. Um, these frameworks, they last a year or two. Who knows what's going to happen next year? But the new frameworks are always based on the good parts of these recent ones or the current yeah. ones. So it's really good to understand what is going on here and why. You know, programming and building frameworks, in my opinion, is very much like dating, that each time you hope the next thing you use has all the good parts from the last one. And when you realize it doesn't, you sort of throw it out or you deal with it, um, which is yeah. a terrible, terrible, terrible analogy. But somehow that made sense in my head. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Um, how are we doing on time? I don't uh, even know. I, I don't even know. All right. I think we're doing fine. I'm trying to think what else is. I mean, you know, here I want to. I, I, I think what's more interesting to me at this point uh, is your work in the community, but from a uh, speaking standpoint. So let me, let me give some context to that. Again, doing my research, I've seen that you've done a ton of talks and workshops, which I think is really cool. But you're also, correct me if I'm wrong, probably younger than some of the other speakers. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say that's pretty fair to say. So how is it that you, uh, how'd you get into it? So honestly, I have this whole mindset that if somebody thinks that 
somebody else doesn't have anything to teach them, then they're, they're just wrong. Everybody has something to teach you. Um, everyone has an experience that they can share. I submitted my first talk proposal and got into a conference when I was 19 and gave like a really short talk (laughs) about designing for a global environment. I use my background of my family not being American to kind of describe what it's like to show the web to someone who doesn't speak English, the first language, um, and like talked about that experience. And it just, it hasn't really, or at least I've actively tried to not let my age be a factor in any decision I made. It's just a number. Um, honestly, it's something that doesn't matter when you've had the same years of experience in a technology. And I've just been lucky enough to have it around longer. So I try to actively like not think about my age when I'm applying to these things. And I go on stage sometimes. And this is the first podcast where I talked about my age so much because I was de- like scared to death of people finding out my age. The first talk they gave at an international conference, the person who introduced me came up to me and like talked beforehand. I was like, you know, so I saw that you're only like 22, blah, 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 blah. That's so exciting. I was like, oh my God, do not say my age. Do not say my age. <laughs> and at the beginning of this, and you said, is there anything that you don't want to talk about? I almost said that, but you know what? I want to just accept it and be transparent about it. Whatever. It's fine. Well, um, you know, I think that's a, I think it's a fair worry to have, right? Um, what tends to happen is that people judge someone based on their, their experience, which is a direct correlation to their age based on our sort of working society. Right. Um, and that's just sort of what it is. It's getting weird though now because like programming is a perfect example. You don't have to go to college to have access to programming or to programming. And the people that don't go to college a lot of the time are a lot more passionate about the subject. They dropped out of college to focus on learning it for themselves. I think that has a lot of value in it. Um, but yeah, obviously when I'm on the stage talking to people who are much more experienced than me, it's, it's a lot of imposter syndrome thinking how, why, why did I get accepted here? Uh, so that's why I think I have to actively tell myself it's just a number. It doesn't matter. Don't let it bother you. That's totally fair. I mean, you know, it's, I, I, I'm definitely, uh, jealous maybe is the word envious is, is a much better word. I'm envious of your ability to sort of Think well. I'm envious of a few things, like the whole principle of everyone can teach someone something, which I think is incredibly smart. I don't know that I think I can teach people things, but that's that's my own issue. We you do teach later. people things all the time. I don't think that you <laughs> realize it. Well, well, you know, I, I think it's interesting. It's it's interesting to me rather. Um, education, generally speaking, is interesting. If you're interested in it, I would recommend an author or two who I think write some really good stuff around pedagogy and teaching as a community, that kind of stuff. Um, but what I think is interesting is when we, when, when, when we, I'm talking about myself, um, when I think about teaching and education, I think about it in a more formal capacity because that's how it was always introduced to me, right? Teaching or education happened in a classroom from someone who was older than you that had more experience about this topic and you are to sit there and learn about it. So for me, if I were, if I were like, Oh, I, one of my goals this year actually is to uh, pro- su- propose a talk, suggest a talk, whatever. Um, you know, submit for a conference, large or small, doesn't matter. Uh, to have a talk on something. Yes, that's great. So I'm, you know, 27, been doing it for a couple of years. Um, so for me to propose a talk about a technical topic is nerve wracking as hell uh, because I can name people who are more knowledgeable about said topic than I am. 
all of these are sort of self-imposed issues, right? Uh, because uh, Sarah, I forget, I, I, I know what her last name is. I don't know how to pronounce it. Saudine? Saudine? Sweden. Sweden? Is that how you pronounce it? It's Sarah Sweden? Oh, I think it's Sweden. Oh, Sweden? Okay. I've never, yes. I've never said that out loud. I mean, actually, that's how you pronounce her name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Sarah Sweden, uh, she's, she is a mega mind on SVGs, right? So for me to give a, a talk about SVGs, I don't want to do a disservice. Um, but you can give a different perspective to SVGs. You have a different experience. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's it's not something that should prevent you from suggesting a topic. I've seen talks on the same topic by different people that come at it with completely different strategies. And you get different things out of those talks. Even if it's the same technical content, there's always one or two tidbits that are unique or different that people can pick up. And that could be the thing that makes the biggest difference. That's actually a very fair point. I haven't considered it from that from that perspective. So I think I'm going to revisit some ideas that I've had. Um, awesome. Yay. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It, it, I think it's interesting. And I, and I have a feeling that you and I might have shared experiences in the age or experience factor. Um, yeah. Well, another thing is this, I don't mean to like bring up this person's age or anything, but um, like Sebastian McKenzie, who created Babel, he is a lot younger than me. And seeing somebody else being younger than me in this field of like tech makes me feel a lot better about just being open about my age. Um, I think that's honestly affected me a lot because before that I was just so guarded. And then I realized there are people out there that are doing this. It's not that strange. It's not something that I should be so guarded about. Um, and I, tr- I strive for transparency in a lot of places in my life. And that was something that I was just trying to hide. And so I think that, yeah, like kind of knowing him and his story, which is really awesome story. Um, it's given me like the okay to not be so self-conscious about it. That's fair. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think I'm, I, I definitely need to cope with it. Right. And this idea of like your experience doesn't dictate your ability. Like you said, it doesn't dictate your ability to educate or teach someone something. Um, yeah. Which is sometimes challenging. I, you know, it's getting interesting because I can see it for myself at work that I am, getting more entrenched in actually SVGs in particular about that up. Cause I don't know a lot about it technically, but in terms of like workflow process. So at work we work, um, we do a lot of work for a large publication or a large publisher who has multiple publications and we're transferring a lot of stuff over to SVGs for them and we're doing it in an automated way. And uh, there's a few technical aspects of things that are coming up. So like yesterday, and this is a really small thing. It's not super technical, but yesterday uh, Frank, one of the other developers, was like, "Hey, Patrick, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get the uh, the the border of this SVG to change colors. How can I do it?" And I was like, "Well, the CSS property I want is fill, or not fill. I'm sorry, stroke versus fill or versus color or whatever." And when he did that, it did exactly what he needs. So it was one of those small things, right? But it's at this point, it's becoming clear that there are one or two topics at the office that I may have a little bit more knowledge on because it interests me because I tend to work in it a little bit more than some of the other guys. So I totally see what you're saying. You know, this idea of like one, well, your knowledge is valuable. Uh, and two, you can teach other people things who may have more or less knowledge on that topic than you. Yeah. That's, that's a great example. And also writing blog posts is a great way to have a technical outlet for also like teaching. Um, I remember I started writing blog posts years ago when nobody read my blog and nobody like cared but it was a great reference for myself even when I was trying to learn how to use. Oh, that's a good a, point. Yeah. So now I've honestly referenced those blog posts and I've like set up a CMS um, 
I went back and I was like, well, how do I do this again? And it's in your own <laughs> words. <laughs> so that's nice. I recently came out with an article about SVG, like Natalie mentioned it, um, this like icon system that I was researching for a while, the different options, and, like why I chose the way that I did it. And then I created a boilerplate on GitHub and like put that out there so that people could make their own and just like um, download or clone the code and then have their own identical icon systems instead of having to go through all the steps. And like Sarah even commented and made a correction about like my blog. And I was like, thanks for updating that thing. But like, like you said, even though somebody else might have more technical perspective on a subject, doesn't mean that your contribution can't help people. I think like that blog post did help a lot of people who were facing the same specific problem that I had and like providing a boilerplate, like help those people that are now using it in their projects. So it doesn't really matter that you might not have all of the answers. You do have the research that you've done and you have the answers that you've discovered. That actually, I think that is, makes perfect sense. You've said it way better than I would ever say it. Um, and I think that is a good transition into coming towards the end of the podcast. There's, and I say the end, there's a few questions I ask at the end. The first one is, what do you think you would, like, this is two-part. One, what, is there anything that you would tell yourself, your younger self, uh, with all the knowledge that you have now, um, and then two, the second part of this is what kind of things, insight, advice, et cetera, would you tell someone who's getting started or is interested in the field? Those are good questions. So for the, what would I tell myself bit? Um, I think the one biggest regret that I have from growing up is I was so much more interested in design than development, which is definitely switched now. Yeah. And I really regret, I really regret not listening to my dad like ramble on about computer parts because I remember growing up he was so excited that I showed any sort of interest in this that he would like tell me bedtime stories about how computers worked and like how networks worked and it was so interesting to me but I was just like that's a cool story dad whatever moving on I wish that (laughs) like (laughs) I wish that I cared more than like some more time on it but um yeah those are good times he was such a cool dad like he would take out his guitar and pluck the string in front of the tv so you could see the waves that we're like right below the string. I don't know if you knew that you could do this, but it's no. like, it's so cool. You can see the, the audio waves. Is there, wait, what are there YouTube videos on this? You think? I, I don't know. I'm sure there are, but you, if you have a guitar, like you can pick it up, put it in front of a TV or like a screen that's projecting something and like pluck it and like up and down. You can see like the, um, the wave oscillations. Um, but yeah, just little things like that. Little lessons. I wish I paid better attention to I don't think I'm looking right. I typed, I typed guitar string in front of TV, um, which doesn't look like it's giving me anything. It's giving me fucking Billy Joel from Green Day. Um, um, maybe guitar string in front of TV oscillations or waves. Guitar oscillations captured with iPhone 4. I'm finding some things. Oh, you, huh. send that to me because I'll put it in the show notes. It's not exactly what you mentioned, but it's still pretty dope. I didn't know you could do that. That's really cool. Yeah, um, fun facts. That's so awesome. Um, the last one is the secret fun time question. Fun times with Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> when I do my podcast, um, I have one called Tools Day. Okay. We we were supposed to have audio that our friend was going to make for us, but that never happened. So we don't have an intro song. And I sing an intro song every single week. Oh, a my God. Song. That's amazing. <laughs> um. Okay, so I might steal the uh, Secret Fun Time question song that you just made and, and have it play for every episode from now on. But, um, okay, 
if you had to listen to one one musical artist or group for the rest of your life, who would it be? Oh, that's a good question. It can be I, one song from that person. It can be their entire, you know, discography. Doesn't matter. Just it's got to be a, a band or a person or, you know, whatever. Just one musical entity. I'm a huge fan of the Decemberists because okay. their lyrics are so good. I love lyrics in songs and I feel like I've learned half my vocabulary from them. So I would pick them and all of their songs. I wouldn't want to listen to just one song for the rest of my life. That's boring. So as many as I can get. <laughs> Have you ever heard the joke? Um, a kid walks up to his dad and said, dad, what's it like to be married? And the dad says, imagine deleting every song, but one on your iPod and listening to that one song for the rest of your life. Oh, womp, womp. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a pseudo accurate, but also terrible, terrible analogy for what it's like to be married. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I got. I think that is, that is everything. Uh, Yuna, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Where can people find you on the internet? Besides well, chat rooms. Yeah. No, thank you for having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is just Yuna, U-N-A. My blog with a bunch of links is una.im. So una.im. Um, and that is sort of my main hub on the internet. So tweet at me, send me emails, say hello. That's awesome. Um, I'm jealous you have a three-letter Twitter name too. <laughs> Yuna, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, thanks for spending like an hour or so. Yeah, thank you. It's been great.